Getting great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate, that's like drafting a player that becomes an all-pro. The real deal. State Farm agents provide personalized service so you can customize your insurance to fit your needs, like a GM putting together their very own roster. You need a team that supports you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more. With a great price and even greater service, State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Today's episode is brought to you by Heineken. Heineken Original Lager is made with pure malt and their famous A yeast, which makes Heineken an all-season, all-the-time kind of beer. It is getting cooler across the country, and Heineken is still my drink of choice. I was drinking it when it was really hot and only NBA was on, and now I'm drinking it when football is on, and... I will continue to drink it when hoops comes back, hockey ends. Doesn't matter the sport, doesn't matter the temperature. Heineken is my drink of choice. Pick up a pack or have it delivered today and drink responsibly. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined today, great show by Therese Paler from Yahoo Sports and the Noah Princiati and Danny Kelly of The Ringer. Uh, Therese has covered Patrick Mahomes as well as anybody since the end of the league. And we get into that ahead of uh, Mahomes' week three clash against Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. A lot of cool storylines, a lot of cool insight. And then Nora and Danny and I do a very fun segment. I guess we're calling Take Mulligans, which is essentially we're two weeks in. We've seen the eye test. We've seen some data. And we're going to take back or at least amend some of our preseason takes, uh, two, two of each. And uh, that was a really, really fun segment. I think you'll enjoy it. Quick reminder on the feed. I'm sure you're listening to all of this because they've been awesome, but we've got a packed week. Uh, Wednesday, we obviously had Chris Vernon and Warren Sharp. Friday, House and Warren Sharp. And on Tuesday, we had Cole Wright and Ryan Shazier. Ryan gave his awesome player perspective. I've been really enjoying all of these podcasts. Hope you check them out. Before we get to Therese, I want to quickly ahead of this Lamar Mahomes clash, which has the potential to be one of the best rivalries, if not the best rivalry of the next decade. We get into that with Therese about the possibilities that go into that and and just the dynamic of these two young quarterbacks. We're going to bring it back to this summer when Lamar Jackson came on Slow News Day and talked about the lack of rivalry between these two players because, quite frankly, one has won a Super Bowl and one hasn't. Here's Lamar. Do you identify going forward because you guys are around the same age, because you're the two reigning MVPs, because you won a Super Bowl this year? Do you think you and Patrick Mahomes could have that kind of rivalry? You know, Mahomes on the cover of Madden last year. You're on it this year. Obviously, you know, you guys are two amazing quarterbacks. Do you sort of see that developing going forward, Lamar? Um, I'm not trying to have no rivalry. I don't really look at it like rivalry and stuff like that. I'm just playing football and trying to win. And he's been winning right now, so it ain't no rivalry right now. Okay, thank you, Lamar. Here's Therese. All right, Therese Paler, Yahoo Sports NFL senior writer, co-host of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because it just happened. But Adam Schefter reports that Chargers team doctors accidentally punctured Terod Taylor's lung before Sunday's game while administering a painkilling injection. This is as horrible and disheartening and upsetting a story as there's been in recent NFL history. Uh, There's only one question, Therese. uh, What the hell is going on? What the hell is this? I would call that the lawsuit. uh, um, That's brutal. That is is actually one of the worst 
things I've kind of heard about a team doing to a player, not intentionally, but all things considered, like, you know, players go into these situations with these teams and they already don't trust the staff in the first place. So when you're trying to get just a regular routine uh, procedure done to get ready to play and then you mess that up, that's going to severely impact, in my opinion, um, the confidence level of the training staff from the players in that room. Yeah, I mean, that that's the kind of thing. I think we tend to overrate, Therese, as, as just as media, as pundits. Oh, this locker room's not going to like this, or the locker room, you know, this sure. player's going to get mad in organization over this. This is the kind of thing that leads to players losing faith in an organization, okay? It's not a coach Absolutely. saying something to the media. It's not X, Y, Z. It's this. And I, I think that's something that, that bears watching. And, and aside from that, I mean, we, thoughts, honestly, thoughts and prayers are with, with Toronto because that, that is a serious life altering thing. And we just hope he's okay. We go, you know, his career is okay. And I think that there was a rush in the Justin Herbert. I don't know. Uh, they, when he exceeded expectations on Sunday, there was a rush to crown him as the starter and get all excited. And I think that now that we see kind of the other side of this, it, it becomes a much more serious situation. It's not, not nearly as fun, quite frankly, as, as, as people were, were, building out to be all right so we're going to talk about the two best quarterbacks in football uh lamar jackson and patrick mahomes so according to the nfl this is the first time ever that two former mvps each 25 or younger are playing okay that's that's pretty much all you need to know there's no other stat that needs to be known except these guys dominated in an early age they're playing each other on monday night i kind of like the kind of round robin that Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Lamar Jackson did to start the season because it's almost <laughs> like a it's almost like a World Cup group stage, right? Like we, we just get to see where yeah. everybody's at. It's good for everybody except Deshaun. <laughs> it's well and Bill O'Brien. Um I think th- I, I, that does disappoint me that Bill O'Brien's kind of taken Deshaun out of that that top rung because I think that when I think of the top three quarterbacks in football, I think of Lamar, Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Yep. I think I think in a perfect world Deshaun Watson is right there. And yeah. I just feel like he just doesn't have the infrastructure for it right now. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks because Watson is a fun player to watch. He's creative. He already has the winning track record. So I think yeah. what we're going to see is actually something pretty interesting here. We're like, you're going to see a quarterback who, if we're all right about the Texas trajectory, like this is a really well-paid, uh, great quarterback. And they're not going to go very far but I don't think he's going to get a lot of the blame for that. I think a lot of the blame for that's going to go to O'Brien and the way he's built that team around him. So um, that's correct for the record. I'm just hoping that at some point he gets the right things around him. And who knows? Maybe some of the draft picks they have hit. You know, maybe they find a way to rebuild this thing and they get lucky on some picks and they evaluate talent well and that defense comes around sooner than we all kind of projected will. But, um, you know, at this moment, it kind of sucks. And this happens to one great quarterback every generation. Um, right. Just hope at the end of their run, they kind of get that that title we're all hoping for. And look, it, this is still very early in the process, you know, and, and, and he was drafted the same year as Mahomes. And hopefully the Texans figure out what they're doing. And, and at some point, again, I think Bill O'Brien is not a terrible coach. I think he's a exactly. pretty good coach, actually, offensively. I just think that he shouldn't be the GM. He shouldn't have all this power. Uh, and the, the, the plays, the plays are not necessarily the problem, I guess, is, is how, is how you put that. construction right. of the roster. Yep. Exactly. And many, and the construction of the organization. Yeah. I mean, that, there's just, there's just a lot there. All right. So Mahomes versus Jackson, you know, Mahomes, 
as well as anybody. You were you were the, the Chiefs beat writer for the Kansas City Star when they, they drafted him. Do you think that Mahomes is the type of guy that needs a rival? Because I think that there's when I, I've spent a little bit of time around him, but he seems like he's just kind of a, a, a cool dude. Um, and I, I don't think he's got this sort of um, I don't know, last dance style maniacal, I hate this guy, I'm going to destroy him kind of thing about him, or does he, and I just, we just haven't seen that to us. No, Mahomes is a, is a, is a good guy and he's beloved, but you know, I definitely think he's got some edge to him and we start to see yeah. more of it as the years gone by, you know, last year in Chicago, counting to 10, oh, you know, right. that's yeah, of course. It, like, there's, there's stuff here, guys. Um, you know, Eric Bieniemy called him a competitive prick for a reason. <laughs> It, that's a real thing. Now, I don't know if you can use that, but he said it. Oh, we um, can. People around him do talk a lot about his competitiveness. That is real. And I don't think he needs a, needs a rival, per se. I think football needs him to have a rival. I think it's right. great for the game when there's Brady and Manning. I think it's great for the game when there was Steve Young and Troy Aikman. That's just great for the game. But... As far as Mahomes needing a rival to get going, I don't. I don't think he needs it because I think he's motivated to be the greatest of all time as it is. He took a contract that will pay him a ton of money, but he structured it in such a way to help this team be competitive for the next 10 years. That's a real thing. He did that um, to try to help the team. And I, I, I think winning matters to him. Legacy yeah. matters to him. And it does because he grew up in those locker rooms with um, you know, his dad and his godfather. and those guys, you know, he was around Derek Jeter and A-Rod and these guys, and he learned what it took to be great. And I think he does think a lot about legacy and the place he'll leave in the game and in the, on the world. So I actually do think he has it. I don't think he needs a rival, but I think it'd be great for all of us if, if, if like, Lamar and Patrick became something like that. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting point about football needing a rival more than, than Patrick needs a rival necessarily because I think that Brady and Manning were a little different. We saw it, obviously, when they played golf a couple of months ago. Uh, there's, a, there's a healthy edge there uh, between those yeah. guys, and that came out a couple of times over the, the, the 15 years or so that they played. Um, I, I think that, again, you, you said it, uh, you know, Mahomes is, is a good guy and he's beloved, but I, I, there is any great player, there's going to be some edge there because you don't get to that place without, A, using the doubters as fuel, but then, B, just, you know, it's, it's just human nature to say, really, Chicago Bears? Really? Um, so I, I guess the, the next logical question here, Therese, is, is Lamar Jackson that guy? Uh, if you're looking at the next decade of football, is are we going to look back at this era and say Lamar Jackson was this guy, Deshaun Watson was this guy? Uh, you know, if they've made a couple of Super Bowls, is it, is it Russell Wilson? Is it somebody else? Is it someone that you know, Joe Burrow? Whatever it might be. If we're looking at Patrick Mahomes' first, let's say, decade of football, who's his big rival when we're looking back on this during his last dance style documentary? I love it, love it. So great question because I've been pondering this a little bit. And the great thing about being a football fan right now and the way the game has gone is that. There are some quarterbacks who have a chance to be really, really, and are already good. Like, there are some guys now. You mentioned Joe Burrow. Might be Kyler and Mahomes and Super Bowls down the road. Like, Kyler Murray is really good, really talented. But in, for the immediate future, right now, for what Lamar is, I think he's motivated to be great, too. And I think you've mentioned this a few times, Kev. Like, you know, every offseason, he's come back a little bit better. And yeah. you started seeing flashes of his improved passing in week one, the bucket throws, 
the throws with touch and accuracy. He had all that. He had all that. He has shown improvement as a pocket passer already through two weeks. You can already see it. He was good statistically as a passer last year. So I'm excited for it. I think it does have a chance to be that rivalry going forward. When I look at the AFC, Therese, I've been banging the drum for a while that I, I don't see anybody else in the AFC title game aside from Lamar and Patrick Mahomes in late January. Uh, do you see the same distance in the AFC after two weeks that I see? Um, and again, listen, there's some really impressive Definitely. teams in the AFC. I love what the Buffalo Bills have done. And I, yes. I've been pleasantly surprised by John. I've never, I, I, I picked <laughs> them to win the division. And I said that, that there was, you know, the only question mark and it was a question mark was Josh Allen. And I was actually a little higher on him at some points over the past three years than, than other people. Um, I was never a Josh Allen stan exactly. And I certainly mm-hmm. had my doubts, uh, certainly pre-draft, but I like what they've done. But when I look around the AFC right now, I still see a pretty healthy distance between the Ravens, the Chiefs, and everybody else. Uh, do you see that same distance, or do you see a more competitive AFC? I agree. I think there's a, a, a nice, healthy gap between the Chiefs and the Ravens and the next team. But um, I do think like those, the second tier includes a couple really interesting teams in the AFC. In Pittsburgh, I think yeah. their defense is awesome. Pittsburgh's defense is awesome, and TJ Watt might win Defensive Player of the Year. He looks amazing, and he's basically in a contract year. So he could have a best year statistically of his career uh, on the league's best defense. So and I like what I talked to Ben earlier um, this offseason, too. I think this dude is ready to go. So I like Pittsburgh. I think they got a chance to win a game or two in the playoffs, actually. But Buffalo, I love the fact you bring up Josh Allen. You know, Allen's a guy that I wasn't really in on before the draft, like a lot of people. But when I saw him um, as a rookie, and I watched him play. I'm like, you know, this guy's kind of making some plays that not a lot of quarterbacks can make, whether it's with his arm strength, but mainly with his athleticism. He's running around. He's doing stuff. And I kind of realized that in the way the league is going now, you need a quarterback that can do that, that can make you pay even when you get the right defense. Um, so I, I like the big play potential of him. His problem has been the propensity for goofy mistakes, whether that's yeah. a goofy interception or a fumble here or there. And we saw it in the playoffs. And quite honestly, we've seen a little bit even through the first two weeks where there's fumbles here and there. And like he has to do a better job protecting the football. But I do love what their offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, has done. Yeah, um, they're attacking man coverage with their route concepts. He's throwing the deep over route with a tremendous amount of touch, which is a big deal. And Stefan Diggs has been awesome for that guy. So they've done a, I think you mentioned they've done a heck of a job putting the team and offense around this guy. You know, he's got a chance to have a huge season, and I'm really excited to see how this offense continue to develop going forward. But I put them in that second tier with Pittsburgh, for sure. Two more quick Chiefs questions for you. Number one, when they drafted Patrick Mahomes, and you've written about this before, obviously you were the beat writer when it happened. Veach came out very quickly after. He wasn't, you know, he had just been promoted to GM and said he's the best player, he's one of the best players ever seen, et cetera, et cetera. How early did they know that Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah. and, 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 and has there been, and I'm not accusing them of anything, but has there been after the fact myth-making as far as, oh yeah, we definitely mm-hmm. knew this all the way or or was this real? They really knew what this was all going to be. Uh, I, I, I think Veach was on it, for real. Like, I think it's legit. <laughs> like, yeah. trust me. Um, like in January, before they drafted him, him and Chris Cabot um, started having conversations and Cabot represents yeah. Mahomes along yeah. with Lee Steinberg. So, you know, Mahomes, like Veach was in on this guy early. And to be fair, like the whole organization, 
Like there wasn't a lot of arguing over who the best quarterback was. It was Mahomes. They loved him as an organization. I think John Dorsey went up to the right spot to go get him. They didn't go too high. They went to number 10. So Dorsey deserves a little credit there. But all things considered, you know, they 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 knew. And let me tell you something. Um, I talked to him uh, at the Super Bowl for a reason because I figured this is a guy they might end up liking here. And yeah. almost immediately in OTAs, which comes right after the draft, yeah. we were watching camp. I was a beat writer then. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's making the third stringers look great. Guys are making diving catches. And it's like you can already kind of see it. And internally, you started hearing guys say, hey, man, this guy is awesome. Oh, this guy is really good. And we saw it in camp. And then, because like during the year, Kev, I had guys in a locker room telling me like, this Mahomes guy is incredible. He's making yeah. no-look passes. You can't wait. Like, just trust me. Then that regular season game against Denver, the last game of the year, he made some eye-popping throws that completely justified everything, everything everybody had been saying. And the, lo- the energy in that locker room, I'll never forget it, that game. The energy afterward and the excitement those guys had talking about Mahomes. Like, Alex Smith was a starter. He started the next game, obviously in the playoffs. But, like, you knew those guys believed in him right then. So that's real. That is real. And I believe it. And I've, I've talked to some more people, not certainly not to the level you have, but it, it was when people saw what he could do in practice, I think that they, they were, there were a lot of converts, I'll say. All right, last question about the Chiefs. Uh, if the Chiefs don't get to the Super Bowl this year, what is the reason? If they don't get to the Super Bowl, it would be because they run into a Super Bowl-worthy team in, like, the AFC Championship. So, like, if the Chiefs lose in the playoffs, to Baltimore, whoever Baltimore's probably gonna win the Super Bowl. That means the that means the Ravens are an awesome team. This is a hard yeah. team to beat. The Chiefs are a hard team to beat in so many different ways. I'm not gonna go into that. Your audience is smart; they understand all those reasons. But um, also injuries, <laughs> yeah. also injuries can yeah, you know yeah, injuries might play a role. COVID, you never know when the wrong test, right. like that kind of deal. But I mean, it's gonna take a superhuman effort to beat these guys in the playoffs now because. You know, you're seeing the Elway late game effect with Mahomes. You don't want that guy to have a ball. So you beat that guy in January when he's already broken off multiple over my dead body games in the playoffs. That means that your quarterback has that trait, too. And that's a hell of a sign for that team going forward. And I guess at this moment, the only team you'd feel really comfortable thinking might have that shot in the AFC is the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, no, I, it's again, there's a reason that we're, we're amped for this Monday night game. Um, and, and I'm excited to see it. And again, I'm not sure I can even draw conclusions uh, at all. Yeah. We know who these guys are. If one team wins 40 to nothing, sure, I'll draw a conclusion. I don't think that's going to happen. If this is 28, yep. 24, 35, 31, I, I'm, I'm going to say this was fun. I enjoyed this, but see you guys in January. That, that, that's basically this is my take on this. Perfect. Same. Yeah. We're going to share that same take. See you in four months, right? Yeah, exactly. Let's go. There's a lot more football to be played, more development to be made individually. These teams both have to get better in certain ways. Let's see where we are in four months. But for a week three matchup, man, it's hard to get better than this. That's right. Um, I do want to say, so you wrote a piece on Jordan Love in February and you talked about um, the success of the black quarterback. And obviously when we're talking about Mahomes versus Lamar or Mahomes versus Watson or Russell Wilson being an MVP candidate, you know, many people uh, have, have, you know, ESPN branded this the year of the black quarterback. Um, I'm curious, you know, it was only two years ago that Lamar Jackson slipped to, to 32nd. Um, and I, I still feel like, and yeah, that was obviously one of the worst decisions that the NFL teams have made in the last decade. 
Um, even Mahomes dropping to 10 is ridiculous. And I'm curious, having seen the last three, four years, and again, it's a little bit different. You know, Quincy Avery, who is Deshaun Watson's quarterback coach, had something I thought was really, really funny uh, when I talked to him last year. He said, it's not about the best quarterbacks being black. It's about the worst quarterbacks being black. He said, that's when we know we've reached where we need to reach because there is no and this is this is my words and we, when we were talking, but there is no black Nathan Peterman. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's 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 just not going to happen. Um, and nothing against this. You know, well, the Nathan Peterman thing is a totally different discussion, but you kind of you kind of know what I mean when I say that. And so I'm curious now when you look at the landscape of quarterbacks just in the last three, four years, um, do you think what what kind of um, obstacles do black quarterbacks still face in it within NFL scouting circles within uh, NFL front offices? Um, and, you know, even after the 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 top of the sport has been conquered by some of uh, the best black quarterbacks we've ever seen. Well, it's being shattered because at the end of the day, if you want to compete in January, your quarterback better be able to like create with his legs. Right. Like that that matters. Like the days of the statue are basically over because the game has evolved. The league, through its rules and through the emphasis that they place on, on how they're going to enforce the game, has pushed it toward offense. Colleges are producing dual-threat quarterbacks, zone reads, stuff like that. At the end of the day, the, 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 the way the league is going is mandating you have quarterbacks that have multiple skills. Just so happens that when black quarterbacks have an opportunity to play, they typically have that skill set. So they're getting pushed this way, whether some like it or not. So what are the obstacles? Just like the old romantic feeling that some guys in the league still have about wanting to build, you know, the 1999 Michigan offense where you're going to line up. It's going to be I formation. It's going to be gap. It's going to be play action off that. You know, it's going to be real traditional six, five pocket passer because that's what guys grow up with. That's what they always kind of end up wanting. But at the end of the day, I also think this NFL paychecks are outstanding. You want to continue to get those as a GM as long as possible. And if you want to be able to compete going forward, you better make sure your quarterback can make plays no matter what color they are. So whether it's Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar, your guy has to be able to create in January when they pulled up the perfect defense. And if he can't do that, you're probably going to lose. Maybe not in the first round, probably in the second. But if somehow you get to the AFC or NFC championship game, guess what? Your quarterback you're facing is going to have to go head-to-head and pull some plays out of his tail against Aaron Rodgers or Mahomes or Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray. Okay? Good luck. They don't have a choice. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, it's, it's a great point. All right. Coming up, we've got a little Cam Brady Breeze talk. But first, let's take a quick break. If you've been dealing with acne, redness, dark spots, or wrinkles, finding treatment that works can be complicated. You need skincare that actually performs, but getting started can be overwhelming. Thankfully, there's a solution. Roman makes it convenient to get customized prescription skincare that really performs. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online consultation, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If appropriate, a doctor will prescribe a custom blended treatment based on your skin type and priorities. You'll receive your custom skincare treatment with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor if you need to make a change to your treatment or have any questions. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. 
Go to GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL for a free online visit and start your new skincare routine today. That's GetRoman.com slash RingerNFL. Eligibility requirements and additional terms apply. All right, so let's switch gears here, um, get off of Monday night's game, and go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you wrote about them this week. Yeah. Very strange week one. And now that we've seen what the Saints are in week two, I think that you know it's really hard for me to do the transitive property in football and say, oh, they lost to the Saints and the Saints lost to the Raiders. Oh, like, don't yeah. never do that. It will drive you crazy. Agreed. Nothing, nothing, nothing makes sense as far as that goes. Yes. Having said that, what do you think this team is now after two weeks? Is this the team? Is this is this a team where if you extrapolate how they've what they look like now, you see them playing in January, or is this a team that might take longer? Okay, go ahead. I do. I, I like the books and I liked them before the season because I thought their defense is better than people gave them credit for. Like I thought last year their defense was good against the kind of like the run and the pass. Like the the Bucks defense can get after the quarterback and their young corners are good and their second level players are good too. So like A, I like the Bucks defense. B I thought going from Jameis to Tom Brady, you eliminate the turnovers. That's going to help this team win 10 games. I didn't think they were going to win the division. Oh, the Saints are the most talented team in the division. But all these considered, I thought the offensive line is better than people thought. I love Tristan Wirfs as a prospect at right tackle. Um, I think there's some weapons there, obviously. The deep cast of tight ends, the receivers, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, all that. I, look, it's Tom Brady, which means in January, I just spent all this time talking about how the quarterback's got to be able to create. There are exceptions, and Tom has typically historically been one of them in recent years. And there were actually a few plays on Sunday against the Panthers, granted it was the Panthers, where he eluded pressure, created a little time moving in the pocket, and, and, and threw a nice pass. That actually happened a few times. Now, will it keep going? I don't know. Will, it, will he be able to do that against a good defense? I don't know. But the Bucs have the ingredients of a 10-win team and a team that can at least win maybe one playoff game. Beyond that, they do have to make improvements. They got to get on the same page communication-wise. And we'll see. Flip side of that, obviously, would be Cam Newton, the guy who replaced Tom Brady in New England. Um, Scott Piankowski, uh, Yahoo writer, said that Cam Newton is currently on pace for 208 rushes, um, which is would be the most all-time. Um, obviously, that's, that's going to change as the year goes on, but maybe not by much maybe this is maybe the design run thing is what they're going to lean on for for the next 18 weeks uh or however long they keep playing uh do you see i guess it's the same question i have with the bucks which is is this team that has been competitive in seattle and then obviously put a pretty good beating on the uh the dolphins week one is this is this the patriots and and are they a 10 11 win team um even you know i bring up the opt-outs all the time all that stuff but is this is this a good football team? You know, the thing, yes, it is a good football team. But the thing that's interesting about the Patriots is that what they're doing offensively has kind of been what they've done under Tom Brady. Like, they're going to run the football. They're going to yeah. use a ton of play action. It's just the way they're doing it is a little different. It's all that. They're still running the play action concept, Patriots pass, all that, where they pull the guard and they play action off of it. They, they still do all that. But now you got to defend zone reads. Now you got to defend pre-snap motion. Now you got to defend, Lord knows Cam is the best to ever do it at this quarterback power, okay? Amazing. And that's a lot. That's a lot to have to defend, Cam. That's a lot, man. So, um, yes, I'm in on the Patriots. I think that is a team with Bill Belichick that, you know, we talk about the, the Chiefs and the Ravens, but in January, Belichick's not a dude you want to face. 
And no. Cam is a good quarterback, man. And he believes he is great. That's a team that can knock one of those guys off, man, with the right set of circumstances. So as long as he stays healthy, you know they're going to continue to build and develop. Um, I never thought that their defense was just going to stink because of the opt-outs. I've never bought this Patriots are going to lose seven games. Like, no, it's Belichick. No. And we're already seeing some of their young guys develop, man. Chase Winovich opened my eyes a few games on Sunday, okay? Like, these young guys are starting to play. Gilmore's still great. They're good defensively. They're going to be good defensively. And as long as Cam stays healthy, this team's winning 10 games. And they, they, they have the potential to go far in the playoffs as well. I agree with you. I mean, you in January, you combine Bill Belichick's defensive game plans, even post-opt-outs. I know, I know. And Cam Newton's ability to just make something happen whenever he wants to. I mean, that yes. is dangerous. I, I do not. Hey, listen, we talk about the the AFC and all that stuff and, and the healthy distance. And I do believe that the Chiefs and the Ravens are just flat out better teams. Yes. But if, I, if I'm one of those teams and I'm playing the Patriots, I'm, I'm definitely not happy about it. I let somebody else knock them out. <laughs> I agree. I don't think the Steelers or the Patriots are going to be easy outs in the playoffs. Like those two best teams, the Chiefs and the Ravens, they're going to have to play well in the divisional round. They're going to have to play well. Like you can start giving the game away. Like one of those teams can take it. Yep. Totally agree. Uh, all right. Last thing for you. Worried about your breeze? A little bit. Not crazy about the fact he's not really pushing it down the field effectively. But, but look, it's Sean Payton. There's still a lot of talent on that team. Like they'll probably win the division. They'll win double-digit games. Just worried in the sense that when they get to January, I mean, Peyton's going to need some amazing game plans. We know that because yeah. a little worried about Drew Brees' ability to match, you know, Kyler or Aaron Rodgers or whoever he ends up facing. Like, that, I'm a little worried about it. But they're going to win 10 games and make the playoffs. It's what happens there that um, that, that we're going to just have to see. Yeah, there's just there, there's too much talent on that team for them not to win Absolutely. a bunch of games. Uh, I I selected the under on them. I got a little heat on it. And mm-hmm. I just feel, mm-hmm. listen, listen, at some point we've, I feel like we've taken for granted this age, aging curve of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And at some point mm-hmm. you're almost 42 years old. You'll be 42 by the, by the playoffs as Drew Brees will be. And at some point it just starts to dip. That's all. The production starts to dip and, and there's, there's peaks and valleys that that's all. Uh, Tress Paler, NFL writer at Yahoo, host of the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. It's been awesome. Thank you so much, man. No, thank you for having me, man. This was great. All right, got a really fun segment coming up with Nora and DK. But first, let's take a quick break. Today's episode is brought to you by Heineken. And Heineken would like to remind you that it's time for seasonal beers again. That's right. If you thought a cold, crisp summer Heineken was something, just wait until you taste the Heineken fall lineup. Is it a new product? No, just the same great tasting lager that's perfect for any season. I cannot emphasize this enough. I drink Heineken no matter the time of year, no matter the sport that was on. I was drinking it when my favorite basketball team was in the playoffs a couple of months ago. I'll still drink it when my favorite college football team is playing in December. Uh, this is this is my beer, and it doesn't matter the time of year. Heineken Original Lager is made with pure malt and their famous A yeast, which makes Heineken an all-season, all-the-time kind of beer. So pick up a pack or get it delivered, whatever your style, and drink responsibly. Hey guys, footlong season is at Subway. They make it easy to make a good call on food. So here's a little segment called Bad Call, Good Call, where we'll take a look at some of the good and bad plays from last week. Here it is. This week's bad call, Chargers coach Anthony Lynn in overtime, not going for it on fourth and one, giving Patrick Mahomes the ball back. 
that leads to this week's good call, which is Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs drove down the field and they gave Harrison Butker a 50-plus yard field goal to win. That was backed up after a false start and a couple of timeouts. He ended up kicking the game-winning kick three separate times. And Andy Reid's faith in Harrison Butker was rewarded in the Chiefs won. Another bad call from last week, meeting too many nachos. Just really, that's that's not what you want. Not exactly my greatest decision. So this week, why not make a good call instead? Like a chicken teriyaki from Subway. Another good call, getting a free footlong when you buy two of participating Subway restaurants. All right, guys, let's make some good calls this week. Order contact-free in the app for quick and easy pickup on game day or any day, or get contact-free delivery. It's footlong season at Subway. Eat fresh, freshly prepared in front of you. Danny Kelly, Nora Princiati, it's time for Take Mulligans. Danny, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Just hanging in there. It's starting to rain in, in Seattle here, so that's gotten rid of some of the smoke, which is really, really nice, and we can go outside oh. again. I'm glad to hear that. That was very yeah. that was. I didn't expect that take, that we can go outside again. <laughs> we can finally go outside. We can't be near people, but we can go outside, so that's nice. Nora is wearing a sweater over her pajamas and is fooling absolutely nobody. We've all individually roasted her at one point in the Zoom. How's it going, Nora? I have not tried to fool anyone. I came on the Zoom and I said, I'm wearing my pajamas. And you said, you're wearing <laughs> a sweater. PM. And I said, over, yeah, I'm going to be wearing my pajamas until like 6 p.m. And then I'll wear normal clothes for about two hours. And then I'll put on different pajamas. Like, what, <laughs> are you my mother? Like, I, I just, I didn't know that that was your... That, that that's how your your days go it is sometimes because here's here's the deal it's fall in new england so like i i have a window open it's like crisp and i got up and i started working and i usually start working in my pajamas because i'm super productive in the early morning so i like <laughs> to like roll out of bed and immediately start i don't want to deal with like outfit planning or whatever but then today it was just like i felt i felt like i was in the zone but i was also super cozy and I was just like, you know what? We're rolling through this. But then I got a little chilly, so I put a sweater on. But don't act like I'm trying to hide this. I am upfront about I am, in fact, excited <laughs> about my... Yeah. I, Bill Belichick was wearing a hoodie with yeah. 900 holes in it today. Like That was incredible. Don't that did not... That, that man did not look good. And I, I, have, I, am a, I will defend Belichick with anything. Uh, and that was... <laughs> That was a, a, he does not look like he's having a good time right now. But don't come at me with one cannot be productive in knitwear, Kevin. Oh, I'm very productive in knitwear. <laughs> That's great. Um, all right. We're doing take mulligans, as I said. It's pretty straightforward. We're going to do one uh, take we wish we could have back. After two weeks, we can abandon ship. And then one thing we wish we saw, saw coming. Uh, very simple. We can take back any take we want. You will still be judged on your preseason takes. You're just allowed to get one foot out the door on the take and maybe you get some credit. And if you get off a take and the take turns out to have been correct, you actually don't get any credit for being correct the first time. You'll be judged perhaps more harshly having seen two weeks of the season and and getting off the ship, the take ship. Nora, start us off with your mulligan. So I, I want a mulligan on my NFC South contender. I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl. And not only am I not feeling great about that, part of the underlying logic there was that I was thinking Tom Brady might look a little washed and it is in fact Drew Brees who looks washed. And if I could, if I could flip those, uh, I would do so. 
So let's unpack Breeze for a second. Yeah. Is this him now? Well, so here's the, th- the thing is that it's kind of been him, right? Like, it's yeah. not well, he, does, though... he, doesn't, he doesn't go downfield anymore. I mean, there, there were some warning signs. But I think that if you, I, you know, Drew Brees tends to be, ha- just have eye-popping numbers. He had, what, five, I'm looking here, five straight years of over 100 rating. He goes to 93. And again, rating is not perfect. It's just a kind of overall snapshot of his numbers. And Brees is a numbers guy. It was a 93 rating last year. Um, he has a very weird game in Las Vegas. So yes, I get you are right. It has been him, but you thought there'd be maybe there'd be something more. So I thought that it could be at least I was concerned that he would drop off in December. But here's what's going on is that they're not going downfield. Right. And he's also inefficient throwing shorter passes like he's got. So he's the second worst quarterback right now on throws 10 to 19 yards. Drew Brees is supposed to be phenomenal in that area of the field. And we can talk about not having Michael Thomas for a game. That's obviously significant, but I'm scared, you know, as someone who picked the Saints to not only go to the Super Bowl to win, I'm scared. (laughs) And I'm also (laughs) looking at Tom Brady over there who they're not clicking totally. I think they'll get better when they have more practice time, but he's got the velocity. His, some of the throws he's making look better than he looked last year. Like there was the, um, what should have been a touchdown to Shady McCoy that he dropped, like that had zip. So I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm tail between my legs on my NFC South pick. Does this change anything else? So do you think that the the Bucks can go further in the playoffs than you anticipated? Do you think that if they win the division, you know, having home field is so important. I, I don't know if you're picking anybody to have, anybody out of the NFC South to have, the buy or anything like that, but does this change your, your further NFC picks or is it just the NFC South? I think that the, I don't know that I would right now pick. And part of this is because of how good the Seahawks have looked and, and the Packers and some other contenders. I don't know that I'm ready to be like, I no longer think that the saints are going to win the super bowl. Mm-hmm. And I think that the bucks are, but could they go? Yeah. I, I just, I, I think Brady looks really good. Um, okay. so yeah, I, I think it's, uh, once you get an entire year of practice under their belts and, and they have more time to yeah. get on the same page, cause where they're messing up is just when they're not thinking the same thing, when they're not on the same mm-hmm. page, when he's not on the same page with the receivers, it's not, he does not look old to me at all. And I thought that he would look a little old. And that's always been the thing with the Bucks ever since they were put together seven, eight months ago, is that we thought they were going to be a better team in December than they were in September because basically the Tom Brady values you know, knowing where everybody is at all times and and knowing having such good chemistry with his receivers and that that might take until December in the COVID offseason. And so if you look at a team like the Saints, who well, obviously look, they've got they've got new parts too, but it's not like they're replacing their quarterback and and you know, you bring in Rob Gronkowski out of retirement and all that stuff. And they had the continuity advantage. The one thing they don't have is Michael Thomas right now. But I feel like the Bucks are a team that just from the the constructs of how the season has happened, I think we're always going to get a little better over the course of the season. And now I feel like it's setting up pretty well for them. I don't. I'm I'm keeping my my NFC South takes the ta- the same, but it, the definitely the Saints are definitely on my watch list to get canceled. Danny Kelly, take <laughs> take a take back to get canceled. Well, 
I just realized I had I just realized I had the Saints winning or in the Super Bowl. So I'm also would like to back off of that. But the one that I'm actually going to mulligan on. I like that we're all we're all going to eventually just take back over the course of the 30 minutes, just take back all of our takes, except yeah, the, I the Ravens like and the Chiefs are good. Into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ravens and the Chiefs are good. I feel pretty good about my picks so far. Um, I'd also like a mulligan on picking an NFC team to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that that's that's actually <laughs> the, one of the problems. Yeah, but overall, the, the one I'm going to actually take back is the 49 I had the 49ers winning the NFC West and. I think it's just, man, they're going to have a really tough time. It's a very good division right now. The Seahawks, uh, even the Rams look good. And then obviously the Cardinals look good. And the 49ers are just decimated by injuries. I mean, it's just been kind of crazy. Nick Bosa out for the year. I think that's a huge, huge impact for them. Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt. Raheem Mostert is hurt. Richard Sherman is hurt. Solomon Thomas is out for the year. Um, what was What had been the core foundation and strength of their their team really was their defensive line. It was like the foundation upon which their defense was built. And that is like completely changed now. They had, you know, six or seven guys they could rotate last year. And now, you know, they're missing the biggest and most important pieces. Buckner's gone. Bosa's gone. Tom Thomas was not necessarily like a huge piece of it, but he's gone. That hurts the depth. And then, you know, it's you're relying on Javon Kinlaw, who has looked good, but like you're relying on him to make this outsized impact. And I think that's just asking a lot. Their offense is so banged up. They've got all their receivers are hurt. Kittle is hurt. Everybody's hurt. And, you know, they've managed to get by. Like, they're one and one They destroyed the Jets. It tells you a lot about how bad the Jets are. But I don't know if they can keep this up throughout the whole season and compete in a really tough division when when they're just kind of trying to fight so many of those injuries. So I think that would be, that would be the one that's looking the shakiest to me right now. So I'm in agreement with you. That is something I wish I could take back. And it's no fault of either of ours. It's just that when you pick a team because they have incredible talent across the roster and they've got some really premium players at really important positions and then they start to lose that, well, then they're not the team you picked anymore. And that's not, it doesn't make you, you know, it doesn't completely absolve you from from the wrong take, but it's, it is just a different set of circumstances. Now, if those guys have been lost on, August 3rd, we wouldn't have picked them. And, you know, look yep. at what we did with the Eagles a little bit with their offensive line problems. We just said, oh, well, you're just, you're not the Eagles anymore. So I think that I, I'm in agreement with you. Um, the, obviously, Nick Bose is not going to win um, that, that's, that's a take that that yeah. ship has sailed. Um, yeah. I'm, my, my take mulligan is a little bit connected to that, which is the NFC West in general. So I picked the Niners, but I'm also a little upset that I overlooked the Rams. Who looked pretty good. And then I did this thing, and I'm not totally sure why I did it, probably because I'm a huge coward, uh, that I said Kyler was going to play like an MVP, but with the Cardinals weren't going to be very good, which actually, <laughs> I kind of feel like that was playing both sides, but I actually feel like that is almost illogical, right? Like if Kyler Murray yeah, is the yeah. guy we thought he was going to be, and I certainly did then the Cardinals are at least going to be pretty good. Now, I had them pegged as a seven or eight win team. But, I mean, this is a guy who he has the, through two weeks, has the best rush grade for a quarterback, according to PFF. Uh, the Cardinals obviously have two wins, including over our, our 49ers. Playing the Washington football team, who knows there as far as whether or not that's, that's a quality win, so to speak, when you're trying to figure out teams. But I'm looking at their schedule. 
Okay. Lions this week, Matt Patricia and the Lions. You know, Matt Patricia's going to have a great game plan ready to go. <laughs> Matt Pat- Here comes Matt Patricia. A lot of, lot uh, of man coverage. That's going to let Kyler coverage. just run everywhere. Yeah. Uh, the Carolina Panthers the following week, and then the Jets. Yeesh. I'm going to be Ooh. shocked if the Cardinals are not four and one. And I'm going to be disappointed, quite frankly, if they're not five, five and oh. I'd be yeah. disappointed. I, I am at the stage now where I would be disappointed if the Cardinals are not five and oh, because if they lose to Lions, Panthers, or Jets, then they're, they're not the team I thought they were. But if, listen, if they drop one of those, they're four one, that's fine. After that, it gets a little hairier. They have the Cowboys and the Seahawks. But eventually, the playoffs are a math problem. And if you start five and oh, and you have, and it's not like this would be smoke and mirrors because Kyler Murray is a damn good quarterback. And so I'm starting to come around on this Cardinals team. And having said that, by the way, I've come around on this Rams team. So I'm not, I'm not picking the Cardinals to win the NFC West just yet. I, I want to listen. Part of being able to take back takes is that you, you don't want to just, you know, marry another take. They have to take back in two weeks. <laughs> this podcast has turned into therapy. We're talking about like disappointment and cowardice and commitment. Yeah. And- I was a well, coward. When you're talking takes, when you're talking takes, man. Um, this is heavy stuff. So anyway, the Cardinals are good, and I was wrong. And the Rams are good, and I was wrong. All right, second wave of Mulligan takes is stuff we wish we saw coming. Nora, are you okay? Uh, yeah, I'm just I I I love uh, I love that we're getting our feelings out here I, <laughs> about I our takes. Totally anticipated. I actually yeah. have I actually have a, a, kind of a heavy Josh Allen thing too. But we'll get away from that for a second and do number one thing you wish you saw coming when you were giving your takes. I wish I'd seen coming how how fun this Jaguars offense yeah. was going to be. I wish I'd bought mm-hmm. it on Minshew Mania uh, part two, especially I wish I'd seen what lovely a relationship it seems like he has with Jay Gruden and the use of motion and play action just enlivening that offense. And, you know, they're using LaVisca Chanel in all kinds of crazy ways. and they put up 480 yards against Tennessee. Like it's it's just good stuff. I don't, it, it could even end up being a bad thing, right? Because they're not going to win that division. I don't think, I guess, <laughs> uh, but you don't want to end up in kind of in the middle here. So I don't know if it, it, it really is something that changes where I think the Jags are going in the near future. Unless I guess if, if Minshew, plays well enough that they feel like they should commit to him. And then they have all sorts of cap space and draft picks and whatever. Like I I'm not ready to, to say what I think that means for the future, but what I wish I'd seen coming was just that they were going to be really fun to watch. What are your expectations for them in 2020? I just told you, I didn't know. I know. I, I, I know. I know you didn't want to answer it. You said they're going to be fun, which is fake. No, it's not. <laughs> fun is so real. I mean, fun. the concept of fun is real, but you can't just be like, this team is going to be fun as a take. How many games they win? So their schedule is not hard. I think I, I, I think they could be a 500 team. I agree with that. I agree with that. And and then I think, again, I agree with you that there's there's a choice to be made um, about Minshew long term. But this is this team. This team was it reminds me a little bit of the Dolphins team last year in that even mm. if there was a plan to tank and I don't just from their draft picks and how young they got, maybe at some point there was like, you know, if you take a step back and get the first overall pick, that's fine. But I don't think that, you know, they were the the process sixers, but this team is too good to tank and they have too many 
talented players on both sides of the ball and they're going to win you some games. So uh, ironically uh, or coincidentally, they the Dolphins and the Jaguars play on Thursday night. It will be interesting to see how that develops. But uh, this is a team that's going to win, already has won games they shouldn't and will continue to win games they shouldn't. They're not going to make the playoffs, but... They have, after that Dolphins game, they have the Bengals, Texans, Lions, Chargers, Texans. Then they have the Packers and the Steelers. So that's, I mean, that's probably two losses there, but Browns, Vikings, Titans, Ravens, Bears, Colts. Like there's, there's three games in there that I'm confident that I'm close to sure they're going to lose. Matt Patricia is catching a lot of strays on this episode. And every episode. And every episode. No, 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 no. I don't think Matt Patricia catches strays on a lot of episodes. I think he just, he gets a full frontal attack. That's true. That's true. That's just true. right. Just no, we're not attacking the flanks. We're going right through the front here. Um, yeah. All right. So I'm in agreement with you on, on Minshew mania. I just think, I also think that the difference between the Jaguars and Dolphins last year is the Dolphins were near one of Brian Flores. They were obviously committed to Chris Greer going forward. And this is Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone, who seem to be at the tail end of, of, their career in Jacksonville. So it'd be interesting to see how any success they have this year impacts the future of those guys, particularly Caldwell. I don't know. Danny Kelly, you also wanted to talk about the Jaguars and you also have another, another take as well. The first thing that I thought of was the Minshew thing. I I'm mad at myself for not being stronger in my belief of Minshew. Cause I wrote an article about halfway through the season last year. And it was basically like Minshew's the real deal. He's awesome. This is a guy that they would potentially build around. And then he faded a little bit down the end, like the second half of the season didn't look quite as sharp. You know, then there was questions over the offseason whether he was even going to be the starter. I kind of bought into all that stuff. I wish I would have just stuck with the Minshew's a God thing that I kind of like had said not not that he's a guy but that he could be their guy oh and now it's starting he to is look a like <laughs> yeah so uh, I think that's one of my big regrets like I wish I would have seen that coming and I stuck stronger to it but um the other thing that I was that just comes to mind that I feel like we absolutely just dismissed it the whole offseason maybe you guys didn't but uh that Mitchell Trubisky would be the starter for the Bears and that they would start to and oh like, I just thought, number one, I thought Foles was for sure the guy. I thought they were just done with Trubisky, like they like ripped the Band-Aid off or whatever. So I, I, de- I misread that whole thing. And then when he when Foles didn't stand out in camp and do anything, it made 100% sense that the, the the Bears would stick with Trubisky because they're invested in him. They need him. Like, it, as a front office, it looks so much better if he's the guy and if he turns into, like, a good quarterback. So I think I just misread that, and I, I kind of regret not, giving that more thought that Trubisky, maybe I don't regret thinking about the bears more, but like <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, you didn't misread that. <laughs> okay. So, but anyways, that to me has been a huge surprise <laughs> that they did that and that they're two and oh, I don't know if this also, is going to Ma- keep going, but Matt Patricia's about to catch Ma- another string. Yeah. <laughs> they should, they shouldn't be two and oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it always comes Poor back. Matt Patricia. Wow, uh, Matt, yeah, so they mean. Matt, listen, that's what the money's for. Not our money, Matt Patricia's <laughs> right. money. No, we don't make. We don't right. actually get paid. I'm gonna um, Venmo five we're, bucks. We're all volunteers. But Matt Patricia, when you're at that level of football, there's a level of criticism that comes along with it. 
Um, the, we should start a Matt Patricia catches a, a stray go- jar and like put a dollar in it every time and <laughs> donate it to charity. Oh my god, <sighs> what charity? I don't want to answer that. Yeah, I don't want to yeah, answer it either. We're playing, playing the playing for the Detroit Lions Foundation. All right, so they've beaten the Lions by four points and then the Giants by four points. I'm not ready. They have the Falcons this week in a. Yeah, I mean that's just a disastrous game. Those two teams, the ba- the Bears just might win that. I don't know the what the two hell's teams going on of broken Falcons dreams. Right now. Yeah, the broken dream team. Um, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I if they beat the Falcons this week, I'll be a little bit encouraged. And they have the Colts on October fourth. I I have not been particularly impressed with the two and zero Chicago Bears. I'm no, I'm ready to I'm ready to believe at some point, but not not now. Um, and yeah, that's it. Since this is take mulligan, I want to ask you guys something. Do you think that Trubisky will be the starter for the whole season? No. I think he's a little too okay. inconsistent for that. Nora? Yeah. I can see them forcing it. Yeah. Frankly, but <laughs> we were talking about this the other day. He's looked good in two games, not for the entirety of either one of those games. Like a couple quarters, yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just sprinkling a few good moments in there. I'm looking at Matt Patricia's charities. I can't really find. He gave a huge check to Rich Eisen. Hopefully, that was for charity and not just didn't just pay Rich Eisen a bunch of money. No, he gave a, a generous check to to Rich Eisen St. Jude's charity. That's nice. That's very nice. He should be commended for that. He should be commended for that. That's very good for Matt Patricia. All right, my thing I should have seen coming, and this again, this is kind of a cousin of the Kyler thing which is my take was the Buffalo Bills were going to be very good and Josh Allen was, if anything, going to hold them back or be a net neutral. I did not anticipate him being a positive. Um, Mm. And if he was a positive, I considered that. I thought that might happen sparingly, quite frankly. And through two weeks, I'm wrong. Um, PFF had this today that uh, 20-plus yard completions in 2019, he had 18 he already has seven in 2020. This is a home run league. Um, I, I've I've wondered and I've asked the PFF guys a million times whether or not that there's not a million times, maybe three times probably. But <laughs> I've asked them if there's a sort of quantifiable benchmark you have to hit for deep passes. Like, does a deep ball only have to be, you know, if you connect on three deep balls, is it the same as, you know, four five underneath throw, whatever it is like what's the conversion rate right and like almost like a effective field goal percentage with with three pointers um i'm not i probably not smart enough to even formulate the question i'm trying to ask so they probably have no idea what i'm talking about but it's, <laughs> it's i'm just intrigued i i just the, the value of a deep pass to me is very very interesting and mm-hmm. josh allen has gotten better throwing to basically every part of the field since he became a, a an nfl quarterback and we were all fairly down on him Danny you were pretty down on him when he entered the league right yes yeah I thought that his inaccuracy and his you know just decision making was a was an issue and I didn't know if it was something that you can fix because like there's been examples in the league where guys become more accurate but it's pretty rare that you can have like more touch and more accuracy like you can learn that it's just sort of an innate thing I think but yeah that's like the been the big change this year is is all of a sudden he's this accurate deep ball passer, which was a huge problem last year, a huge like hole in his game. And I think it's a credit to the bills. Number one for 
identifying and knowing that that was a big weakness and going out and getting Diggs, who is like the best deep ball receiver in the NFL. Um, and, you know, addressing what was a huge issue for them. And we'll see if it continues, if he can continue to be consistent, accurate, make good decisions. Because there's still a few Josh Allen moments in there, which makes him such a fun player because he's just kind of goes for it. But if he can continue to, like, develop in that area, like, Nora, I think we both talked about this in the preseason. Like, that gives him MVP potential. If he can continue yep. to build on this, like, start... The bills are the bills are set up with a good defense and like the chance to win the division to like give him I guess the resume builder to be in the discussion for MVP because you have to be on a good team. So yeah, I think the start of the season is fascinating with with Josh Allen. He's he's like a must watch player every week now. I felt like if he was replacement level, basically they were so well constructed and constructed for him. Yeah, that they could be really good and the offense could be good. And and with the defense, they were going to have a good enough record so that he could get, you know, dark horse MVP candidate buzz. I will say he's playing, you know, far above replacement level, certainly. And that I thought was possible, but he's exceeded my expectations as well, even though I was pretty high on him. I think that I, I agree with you, Nora. And that's the reason that I picked them to win the division is I just thought they were a damn good team. Brandon Bean's built that team really well. Sean McDermott's a good coach. Brian Dable's a good offensive coordinator. I think that when I was thinking about this take a little bit last night, I think part of it was I give, and we all give the benefit of the doubt to a good quarterback or an average quarterback, whatever you want to call it, with a really great supporting cast, right? So we do that with Jared Goff. We've done that with Jimmy Garoppolo, um, both of whom are above average or you know, whatever. Um, but I don't certainly don't think any of them are on, you know, top 10 quarterbacks or anything. We've done that with Kirk Cousins. Um, we've done that with really anybody who, who we, they build around and they give good plays to, and they say, okay, this guy can win. And for whatever reason, I wasn't giving the benefit, that benefit of the doubt to Josh Allen, who they've surrounded with a great supporting cast, great offensive system, Stefan Diggs go out and go going out and get him. And I'm not, I, I think it's because, of the uncharacteristic mistakes that he sometimes made, he would just airmail pass or, you know, sometimes you just have no idea where a play would go sometimes um, where you're just <laughs> yeah. like, what is this? You know, I, I was on a show a couple weeks ago and someone was like, where's Aaron Rodgers now? And I said, well, he's like Tiger Woods in the sense that it's still anytime he drops back to pass, you you could see the best thing you've ever seen on a football field. But those get fewer and far between as the years go on. I mean, this isn't 2011 anymore. And with Josh Allen, it the golf analogy still holds. It's like what the backswing when when the, the the play starts, it's it's kind of like uh, Phil Mickelson maybe. Like anything can happen when that backswing starts to happen with Josh Allen. Okay, anything. Like we saw that with the Texans game where the snap would we'd see the snap, he'd start running around. And you'd go, oh, where is this going? And like, it was one of those things where if you, if with Josh Allen's play, someone against the Texans, if you took like three different screenshots of the play and be like, this is the same play, you'd be like, what in the world? What, how did this happen? How did he get over here? Why, how did he get out of that sack? And it's not all negative. A lot of it's positive. A lot of it's he got out of the sack. Now he's rolling out or he trucked this guy, whatever it is. But there's just a, it's a journey. Every Josh Allen pass is a journey. And so for me, <laughs> when I looked at Josh Allen, I didn't compare him to 
Jared Goff in Los Angeles or Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. Not that they're in the same offensive system or anything, but I'm saying I overrate those guys because they're put in the position to succeed. Josh Allen's being put in the position to succeed, and I I didn't give him enough credit, I guess you could say. And so I wish I had seen that coming. I wish I remember where I read this, and I'm not even sure it was about Josh Allen, but it feels like it was about Josh Allen. Somebody <laughs> made the comparison to that John Mulaney joke about a horse loose in a hospital where you're not sure if it's good or bad. So that was <laughs> me, and oh, I was talking about... Congrats, uh, Kevin. I was talking about John Gruden. I don't. Okay, I think that there might have. Okay, yeah, let's call it. That. I wrote a whole. But I wrote a whole like, column about it, and then I talked about it on the podcast like five times. So if 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 it wasn't me, you've come across somebody who's doing bit infringement, which in turn <laughs> is bit infringement yeah. that I'm I'm doing on Mr. John Mulaney, <laughs> and I'm doing on the person who did it on you. Yeah. So we uh, have four four degrees oof, of bit infringement. Levels. But it's still, it's like I still the, think that that's like, that's how I feel when I watch Josh Allen is like, I, this, I've never seen this before, but maybe it's going to be okay. I think that, uh, there's a Simpsons joke where Krusty the Clown starts getting mad at people because they're stealing his joke that he stole from Steve Allen. And that's kind of where we're at right now. That some, <laughs> if someone's using a John Mulaney line that I did not write, that's bit infringement. So that's where we're at. I love the phrase bit infringement. Well, <laughs> here we are. All right, Nora Brinziati, Danny Kelly. We've taken back some takes. This is it. The polls are closed. We can't take any take back takes back until December. We're not doing this in two weeks again? Ah, oh, damn it. No, we're not doing it until we're desperate for a pod segment. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Next up on the feed, Joe House and Warren Sharp, two of my buddies. They've got their Friday gambling show that's just been electric so far. Take it away, guys. All right, guys, we made some bad calls and good calls this week, but remember, it's footlong season at Subway, so let's try to keep them mainly good, okay? You can start by grabbing a delicious, freshly prepared footlong with all your favorite toppings. And order ahead in the Subway app for contact-free ordering and payment to make the pickup or delivery quick and easy. So forget about that fried, greasy food and grab a tasty footlong on game day or any day. Because it's footlong season at Subway. Eat fresh. Freshly prepared in front of you. 